Money Roots is made possible by the support of our sponsor, Rooted Planning Group. Are you ready to take control of your financial future? Look no further than Rooted Planning Group, your trusted partner in financial well-being. At www.rootedpg.com, you'll discover a wealth of resources and expertise to help you thrive financially. Rooted Planning Group specializes in personalized financial planning, investment management, and retirement strategies. They understand that every financial journey is unique, and they're here to guide you every step of the way. With a team of experienced advisors, Rooted Planning Group is committed to helping you cultivate a secure and prosperous future. Visit www.rootedpg.com today to learn more about how Rooted Planning Group can help you grow your money roots. Every week, it's our goal to share financial information that helps you both in your life and financial vineyard. We hope it takes you from your roots to the journey of your vines and the influences in the air that help craft your delicious life. Like wine, life and finances have different palettes that should be celebrated and not judged. Welcome to this edition of Wine and Dime with Amy Irvine and Rebecca, aka Becky Eason. And today we're going to be talking about fun things like student loan, uh, interest deductions, education credits. Oh yeah, don't don't tune out on us now. We actually have some interesting news here. <laughs> Becky, welcome back. Uh, I'm looking forward to this jam session. It is March, and we're talking all things taxes. And I'm sure if people are listening right now, they're if they haven't filed their tax return. They're hopefully thinking about it. <laughs> if you've already filed, then store this away for next year. That's right. Store it away for next year or look at your tax returns because maybe there's something that could be amended. But when I think about March, I always, it's with uh, this heavy, like, what kind of wing, what kind of wine do I want to uh, pair with tax season? And for those of you that listened to last week's, uh, you heard Kate and I talking about Barbera wine. It was actually bourbon barrel uh, Barbera wine that I was uh, uh, talking about. And I mentioned a port is usually a lot of times what um, I will pair with with taxes because it's a it's a sipper. It takes the edge off. But so I decided that for our recording that I was going to set out uh, a port. And for the month, rest of the month of March, I was going to spotlight different ports that come from the Finger Lakes region. So I'm starting this week, Becky, with a port from Lakewood. And I know that they do carry it up in the the um, liquor store up in Hornell next to Wegmans. It's different. Like when people drink a port, you have to go in prepared that it's a sipper. It's not something you want to like gulp down. It's tiny little sips to get your mouth and your palate used to it. So if you're looking to explore a little bit and for a wine to last a little while, ports usually have like the the cork too that goes back in. It's they're meant to they're meant to sit on the shelf a little bit sometimes. So I have a 2015 Lakewood port that I am looking forward to uncorking tonight. <laughs> Maybe you'd like to go get one and join me. <laughs> I know. I think I may have to run up and give it a try. <laughs> so speaking of heavy topics, <laughs> Becky and I wanted to do a quick jam session about all sort of education credits that kind of come up because there is some confusion around education credits, student loan deduction being one of them, um, the teacher's education credit being another one, uh, American Opportunity Act, lifetime learning credits, how they all work together. 
Um, and then toss in there a little bit of information about how 529 plans sort of integrate as well. So um, Becky, although people, not a lot of people actually paid uh, student loan interest in 2021 because of the current forbearance that's taking place and the 0% interest rate uh, that's, that's currently uh, taking place with student loans in 2021, there, but there are some, there are some, and in the future, there's certainly going to be some. So talk a little bit about those that are eligible for student loan deduction. What are some of the limits that they need, income limits that they need to be aware of um, in order to take the student loan deduction? It's a great topic to bring up. Um, So income limits for the student loan deduction are, they use a modified adjusted gross income. And if you're a single head of household or a qualified widower or widow, then um, as long as your modified adjusted gross income is below 70000 then you can take up to either the amount of interest you paid or $2,500. So, um, so it does out cap out. Yeah. Yep. And there is a phase out. So if you're in between 70000 and 85000 it does eventually phase out. And anything over 85000 you're completely phased out. And, then and that's for single, right? Yeah, single head of household and qualified widow or widower. Okay. If you're married filing jointly, it does um, bump up to one, 145000 and it's completely phased out at 175000 And that's for the 2020 limit, 2022 limits, right? Yep. Okay. So for those of so for those that are eligible, they can deduct on the what we call the front side of the tax return. So they don't have to itemize to get that. They can actually deduct that. And I want you had made the comment that it's based on modified adjusted gross income. And if you listen to last week pod last week's podcast, Kate and I dug into adjusted gross income. So we actually explain the difference between your gross gross income minus anything that you have taken out that's pre-tax like health insurance or 401k and things that we would add in like interest and you know business income and those kinds of things to come up with AGI, which is adjusted gross income. But modified adjusted gross income would take into consideration like an HSA contribution if you're self-employed or IRA contribution if you can deduct it, right? So in some cases, if you're over, it would would take it back into consideration, excuse me, it would add it back in. So if you're over that, if your AGI um, is one thing and you've taken advantage of some of these things, you have to add that back in in order to get the modified adjusted gross income. So, you know, some people look at AGI and they think, oh, yeah, you know, like I, I made an IRA contribution thinking it's going to bring their income level under that. And it actually has to be added back in. So I just wanted to mention that to folks so that they understood that provision a little bit. So that's on the student loan interest deduction. And you also mentioned um, married filing separate in there as one of the... So if somebody is doing married filing separate, their limits are not the same as, you know, just like what the... Um, married filing jointly limits are. So it may, depending on where income flows in the state that you're in, it could affect you um, as to whether or not you could deduct that interest from that perspective too. Yeah. In fact, married filing separate is actually excluded mm. completely. So if you so do just that, to be aware of. Yeah. And a lot of people do do married filing separately because of the repayment plans, right? Yep. 
So that's a whole other topic that we should do a podcast on is student loan payment options. But sometimes just sort of high level, sometimes people will do married filing separately for income-based repayment plans. Uh, That may then, as Becky just mentioned, exclude you from being eligible to take the student loan interest deduction. So you kind of have to look at all of the factors if you do make that election. So shifting to, so that's one education credit, shifting to active participants in college. (laughs) There's a couple of different education credits. If you have a child or yourself that are, that's currently in college, there's the American Opportunity Credit and there's the Lifetime Learning Credit. Talk a little bit about where those limits are and who might be eligible for them. Yeah, the American Opportunity Tax Credit, um, that's good for your first four years of post-secondary school. And it is capped at a um, $2,500 credit. Um, and there are income phase outs as well. So if you're... Um, you get the full credit up to $80,000 for single and head of household and qualifying widow or widower, mm-hmm. and then $160,000 for married filing jointly. Um, and then it does become come into a phase-out area and at $90,000 for single, head of household and qualified widower, it's completely phased out. Mm-hmm. And then $180,000 for married filing joint. Um, as you notice, married filing separate is not mentioned again because that is also excluded. They want you to file jointly. (laughs) (laughs) And then for lifetime learning credit, that's another option that you can pick. And sometimes you have to play the numbers to see which is better, right? Yeah. And the lifetime learning credit, that one has a maximum credit of $2,000. So the maximum amount is a little bit less than the American Opportunity Credit. And again, there's income limits. Um, so if you're single or head of household, qualifying widower, you that income phase out starts at fifty nine thousand and ends at sixty nine thousand. Not and a very, very very big swing there. <laughs> no, no. And married filing jointly is one hundred and eighteen thousand to one hundred and thirty eight thousand. With lifetime learning, it's not like the American Opportunity Credit, though. It's it's not just the first four years. So you mentioned the first four years was the American Opportunity Credits, but lifetime learning credits can go beyond that. Yeah. And there's actually no cap on the number of years that you can take it. And um, you can't use both, just as a side note, like it's one or the other. So you have to look at the numbers and see which one works better for your situation. A lot of people take the American Opportunity Credit the first four years and then switch over to the, to the lifetime learning credit. The interesting thing about that is this is where you can't, you know, the, you can't double count things. So a gotcha item along this, and I mentioned this early in our conversation, is um, if you take a distribution from the 529 plan, be super careful about not over utilizing the credits in combination with the 529 distributions. That's a spot where you can't can't count your eggs twice in that particular bucket. <laughs> 
Any tips that you would give people when they're looking? Because often when we're doing college planning, we will bring this into consideration as part of the almost funding sources. Um, any tips that you would give people when they're setting down to actually think through some of these credits and the eligibility and making sure they don't, you know, step on the toes of one credit over another? Yeah. um, A really important difference between the two of them is that the American Opportunity Tax Credit can be refundable up to 40% of it. So maximum of of $1,000 and the Lifetime Learning Credit is non-refundable. So that would be one of the big things to look at is, um, you know, if your tax, total tax due is um, less than, you know, what the credit comes out to, you really need to weigh those um, differences. So repeat that once again for people that might have said, wait, what? <laughs> the American yeah. Opportunity Credit is refundable, you said, correct? Yep, up to $1,000, mm-hmm. which equates to 40%. So depending on how much of the credit you actually get, it may be less than $1,000 because it'd be mm-hmm. 40%, mm-hmm. where the lifetime learning credit is non-refundable. So you really have to look at it in different ways to see if it makes sense for your family to go. Again, it depends on your family situation, how much you've paid in. Um, if you're getting 100% of your tax withholding back already, then you may want to look at that opportunity credit, even if you got less with the opportunity credit because it's refundable. Yeah, that's a big, that's a big difference. Um, any other, when you're gathering data, like to prepare your tax return and you're looking at these different credits and looking at the different options, What are some of the things that you should be looking for in order to come up with some of these calculations? The big thing is the tax um, document itself. So for both the American Opportunity Tax Credit and the Lifetime Learning Credit, you'll receive a form that's called a 1098-T, and that should come directly from your college or financial education institution that you're at. Mm -hmm. And then for the student loan one, it's the form 1098E. And for that student loan interest one, um, some companies actually won't send it out unless you pay $600 or more in interest. So you may have to go onto your student loan website and actually um, physically print it yourself. That's a good tip because um, people are expecting something to come in the mail. And if they don't receive it, they'll think, oh, I'm not eligible. And it's not that you're not eligible. It's just that they've elected if it's under 600 not to send it. Yeah. So if that's the case, usually you can go down go out to your website, out to that website, and you can pull down... Um, they'll, they'll probably generate the tax um, document, but they may not actually send it to you, right? Yeah. I know I've had to go in and find it myself um, for my student loans. And it was there even though it was less than $600, mm-hmm. um, especially in 2020 when the student loan um, interest was paused. Right. Like that year I had some interest, but not the full amount, but they still generated a form. But they didn't mail it to you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> And when it comes to determining, um, I guess, taking a step back just a little bit, uh, because we threw the terminology out there, you mentioned refundable and non-refundable. You and I throw those terms around. I mean, they're normal everyday language to us. But maybe take just a step back for a moment and explain the difference between refundable and non-refundable. So 
A non-refundable credit will actually bring your total tax liability due to zero. So it's going to take the total tax that you owe. It's going to give you credit for any of these like miscellaneous, such as education credits, and it'll bring you up to zero dollars. Now, a refundable credit will still give you credit towards bringing you to zero. But then if there's any leftover, then it's actually going to come back to you in the form of a refund. So even though you didn't pay it in, you're getting the money back. Yeah. So for example, if um, say your total tax liability was $1,500 and you had a lifetime learning or sorry, the American Opportunity Credit, then um, you would and you got the full twenty five hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. That twenty five hundred dollars would be applied towards that fifteen hundred um, total tax due, leaving you with a refund of one thousand dollars because you would still get that full credit. That's a pretty amazing thing to be aware of. I mean, it's sort of like the earned earned income, excuse me, earned income credit in a way because they're saying, "Look, we understand college costs a lot of money. So we're going to help basically fund a portion of the college by giving you this money even though you didn't pay that money in." And the maximum amount that you could actually receive if if you qualified for all full years would be $4,000, right? $1,000 a year. That's the maximum you're ever going to receive out of the refundable side of the American tax credit. Now, the question I always get asked is, do you think it will stay that way? We have no idea. (laughs) As of this recording in 2022, That's the way it is. But we always encourage people to explore in any given tax year the changes um, because, you know, that's something that could change. And I'm skipping around just a little bit, but I something that just came to my head with regards to all of this, a potential gotcha could also be with, when we were talking about the 529 utilization. If you have a grandparent or an aunt or any other family member that has a 529 plan for your child and they utilize a piece of that 529 towards the cost of education, that could be another gotcha area because you can't double count like that. That was paid for with other sources. So you can't like, oh yeah, we paid blah, blah, blah. You know, if you get the 1098T and it it shows XYZ expenses, you do have to take off that 529 um, money to, to come up with the available balance that you can use to determine that American tax credit or the lifetime learning credit. So just wanted to accentuate that because I can I could see where people wouldn't even necessarily think about it. You know, well, I didn't contribute it. Um, so it's not something I have to worry about, but it is something that you want to think about and it could be a potential gotcha area. Any other tips or any tips that you would want to give to somebody who's either thinking about this for the first time or hearing some of this for the first time that they may want to look back at their taxes and say, hmm, did I do this right? Yeah. Um, really look over that 1098T because I have seen before where colleges get the information wrong. Um, mm-hmm. So you should be able to log into your college account, like the portal, and just cross-reference to make sure that the total costs um, do cross-reference and equal each other. Um, in the case that I had seen the college actually did catch it and they went through and sent um, corrected 1098Ts. So that did mean some people had to amend their tax return. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so if you get a corrected, um, any corrected tax document, be sure to um, update your filed return if you have filed already or reach out to your tax preparer and let mm-hmm. them know what you received. Yeah. Um, great lead into our disclosure, <laughs> which is this information is general in nature and for educational purposes only. We encourage you to reach out to your own professional tax person that you work with or to us if you work with us on your taxes. We're just trying to make sure people are aware of some of the things that are out there. We're not trying to give you advice with this particular podcast recording. But we do want you to be aware that these opportunities are there and that this can be a portion of what you use to pay for college. Because if you are eligible for like refundable credits or it does reduce your taxes significantly for the next couple of years, you could use those refunds to turn around and and help. Uh, reduce the cost of college or contribute towards the cost of college. But we never want somebody to listen to a 20, 25 minute podcast and think they know um, how it's going to affect their lives. We just want you to know that there's something out there that may affect your life and to dig in it, into it just a little bit deeper, except, especially when we start throwing all of those numbers around around who's eligible, who's not eligible, who's got uh, refundable, non-refundable credits. We understand that there's a lot of information in a very short period of time. But we do hope that this information was helpful. And um, we will provide some links out to the IRS website that does provide those, um, those limits, as well as our overall tax limits for 2022. I uh, will repost in the show notes that document that we sent out at the end of 2021, just announcing you know some of those limits and those updates. As always, we we would love to know what questions you might have. Uh, our Asking for Our Friends series that we've started to put out has had some wonderful questions come our way, and we're always uh, always open to any questions that you might have. And we would love for you to send your questions our way to feature them in our Asking for a Friend series. And we hope that you'll share this and like it on social media with your friends. We're definitely on LinkedIn, um, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We hope uh, your spring season as we head into it is enjoyable. And uh, actually, I think the release of this podcast is really close to the actual spring. So I'll say happy spring to everyone. We're almost through tax season. We've got one more month to go, a little less, and we hope it's it's going great for you. And uh, as Becky mentioned, make sure that you uh, cross-reference any tax documents that you've gotten. Make sure you check those uh, numbers. Don't just take it for a grain of salt that it's correct. We've seen lots of amendments take place, and that just creates a lot of headaches when you have to go in and amend your tax return. So stay tuned. We have more great uh, podcasts coming up throughout the month of March on taxes and even into early April. And if you do have questions, don't hesitate to send them our way. Hope you all have a great day. And that will about do it for today's episode of Wine and Dime. You can contact Amy through the website, www.rootedpg.com or amy at rootedpg.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at rootedpg for the latest news. And if you have any questions, comments, or topics you would like to hear about, feel free to let us know. And don't forget to rate and subscribe the show wherever you get your podcasts. And again, thank you for listening and be sure to tune in next time.